I gotta go with the Eiffel Tower, Rudy Gobert. Ooh. I need somebody to block shots. My last pick, I'll go with my guy, Donovan Mitchell. Rally the Bannerman, Utah's All-Stars will be facing Team LeBron as they are members of Team Yanis. Thank you, Spiro. Adetokumbo. Full name for you. Spiro Didis, TNT Zone. If you want to listen to that interview with him last week, you can listen to it on Round Ball Roundup. Both selected by the MVP as guys that he enjoys watching in Utah. Don't mind this. No cheering for other Western Conference teams as it's virtually East versus West. East gets the Utah Jazz in a nice little trade. We'll cover that and also look at the Jazz's midweek game and the trade deadline here on Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. J.P. Chunga, 13th overall pick in the All-Star Draft. Rudy, more of the international brotherhood that you get from Team Yanis. He showed it a bunch in the early goings of this draft, and you were able to see it by the guys that are on the team. Joel Embiid, Pascal Siakam, Kemba Walker, Trey Young. Alongside them are the two Heat players, Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler. Brandon Ingram joins them on a streaking season into this All-Star break. Chris Middleton and Kyle Lowry round out the squad. A lot of people are taking shots at GM. Yanis Adetokumbo. He clearly favors the Eastern Conference guys over the West. But if you have Jimmy Butler on your team... You can guarantee he's the type of competitive guy that would want to win, that is at all costs being right in his wants to win. He knows what winning looks like. Just ask the people in Minnesota and Chicago, the competitiveness that he brought over to Miami. I wonder if we see him next week when the Jazz take on the heat here at Vivint Smart Home Arena. That could go a long way in determining whether he'll play at the All-Star Game in Chicago. If he's on your team, that's somebody that you want to go into battle with. And, of course, with Rudy on the team, you get defense. You need those block shots. That's what Yanis highlighted when he selected him. So when the score is the first three quarters added up plus 24, and that's the target number that everybody's going towards, there's going to be defense played when it's down to the last couple possessions. And who's going to come into play for that? Rudy Gobert. Team LeBron is as follows. Anthony Davis Luka Doncic, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, the Joker, Nikola Jokic. Damian Lillard was the first reserve selected by LeBron James. His friend Chris Paul joins the squad. Sabonis out of the Pacers, Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum, and Russell Westbrook. It looks, at least from the handicapper's point of view, as if it's in one team's favor We'll see when it comes to this new fangled formula that they have. This might be the caucus system of all-star games, but we'll see what happens when it comes to next Sunday. And we'll have you covered here on Round Ball Roundup as two jazz players are going. The entire digital crew will be on site in the Windy City. Talking Angie Treasure, Aaron Falk, Nick Bowlerjack, our videographer Trey, Everybody will be there to have you covered and bring you all the insight and behind the scenes. Stay tuned for more announcements when it comes to the All-Star Game. We'll have you covered at utahjazz.com. Trade deadline occurred and passed, and now we can see where the West stands. Utah not affected by the trade deadline because they got their 
work done after the G League showcase, acquiring Jordan Clarkson for Dante Exum and a couple of draft picks. And then they added Rajon Tucker as the G League player that they got out of the showcase. Two moves in the conference can shake the standings. Usually we go by trade deadline. It's a lot of fluff. It's a lot of things that are happening. We just go around and we have that Michael Scott gif of saying, oh, it's happening, it's happening, and nothing materializes to actually affect winning. Well, there are a couple of moves that could impact those type of things. Number one, and this is an experiment, talking to people within organizations. A lot of theories are being floated for why the Houston Rockets did what they did, but they're going heavily in the direction of not having a big. I'm talking not having somebody who's 6'10", maybe going somebody who's switchable, somebody who is a versatile, tall player. No, it's not like that. It is complete lack of size. Throwing a starting lineup out there that is 6'6 and lower. All hail to the short kings of the Houston Rockets. This is the experiment that they're doing. And there have been a lot of ideas floated as to why they're doing that. Clint Capella goes out to Atlanta, and it's a clear salary dump in that they're saving themselves money in the luxury tax. Two, it's a complete shift away from big men who Daryl Morey and that organization has seen as replaceable. Three... They believe this actually might work. This could give more lanes for Harden and Westbrook to beat guys one-on-one, get into isolation, and go straight to the hoop. It worked against the Jazz last week. A lot of things are working the Jazz as of late. But when they have P.J. Tucker banging with a big down low, it's turned out pretty well. They beat the Lakers last night, launching up 41 threes, not having Anthony Davis destroy them. And that's a team that has so much size with JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, all the bigs that they can roll out. They weren't destroyed by being so small. One game sample size. We can all just calm down from that. However, this is an indicator of maybe where basketball is going. Mike Conley commented on the lack of bigs in his media session today. I haven't seen a a team kind of really commit to that route like like Houston has this season and it really is a matchup issue for most teams because not a lot of teams do that so even maybe it's the first team of many but we'll see you know this league is you know follows trends and 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 different things like that so but you know every team's got to figure out how to how to combat that it's confusing and it'll be a matchup problem for Utah coming up on Sunday as Russ went off in the first game without a big he scores 40 plus and he does it in a homecoming back to Southern California Basketball people are interested in this, and if you look at how it's going to be employed, how they're going to deal with big teams, this will be fascinating to see in the playoffs where the matchups become so important. If they go against Utah, what's Utah going to employ with Rudy down low? It's not the same as just feeding Anthony Davis play after play. Frank Vogel said they got too reliant on that, and that's why they lost. Well, Utah doesn't run everything through Rudy Gobert. So they might have more success when it comes to dealing with a smaller lineup like that. We'll get the indicators when it comes to Sunday, so don't worry on that. The other thing that impacts the Western Conference, and the number two thing that I bring up in trade deadline talks, is Marcus Morris going to the Clippers. One, it avoids him going to the Lakers, who can always use more shooting. When you have LeBron James, what have you learned when it comes to his time in Cleveland and Miami? 
He needs shooting around him. And Marcus Morris shooting 43% from three can provide three and D status, more defending, more offense. And the Clippers keep him away from the other LA team. He comes onto that squad, and how are they going to use his defensive and offensive talents? We all believe them to be very good when they have their full complement of players. Now that they add Morris, how's he going to play alongside their tremendous bench? There are only so many shots that go along, and you've already got Harrell, Williams, Jermichael Green. They're guys that are going to have to find out how to deal with another guy who can get buckets. They're going to be a problem when it comes to the postseason. We already knew that. Morris was one of the crown jewels alongside Robert Covington, who went to the Rockets, of this entire trade experience. And L.A. lands him. There's a stacking of teams that can conceivably think of themselves as championship contenders. Jazz are in that group. And the teams that considerably improve themselves at the deadline are L.A. and Houston. Utah did their work early. Where it takes them? Well, right now, it takes them to a five-game losing streak. Jazz dropped the game against Denver 98-95. to They were up by 15 at one point during this game, up eight in the fourth quarter. Then Jokic completely controlled it, had the shot over Rudy to win it. His line, 30 points, 21 rebounds, 10 assists. He was insane, and he's continually going to be the matchup that you look at when these two teams play. It's the reason why TNT Spiro Didis brought it up in our conversation last week. It's why it's the only one that everybody talks about when Utah and Denver play. It comes down to that. Emblematic of it, Rudy tried to save the ball underneath the basket, and it went straight to Jokic, and he put it in for two. Those are the type of opportunities and mental mistakes that happen in this game. It's really befuddling that this team, which has such a good offense, we've recognized how it's changed with Jordan Clarkson involved, how the acquisition has buoyed Utah to a top-rated offense in the league. Well, it was at 98.9, the offensive rating after the game. The offense wasn't good enough, and many of the possessions looked disjointed. Donovan wasn't on his game. He goes 18 points. It took... 24 shots to get there, eight converted for him. He went two of nine from three. If Torrey Craig continues to be a bed bug and play such spectacular defense in Donovan, this could be a matchup that Utah wants to avoid. Four turnovers on the night for Donovan. Andy Larson in the Salt Lake Tribune had a breakdown of those TOs. He had three in that final frame. So reliant on second half Don. When he doesn't deliver, it's putting this team in a tough position. Mike Conley played well, 21 points on 6 of 13 shooting. He nailed five threes on nine attempts, added to it eight rebounds and five assists. This, if you're looking for any bright spot, any positives going out of it, it's about process over the results for me. I mentioned last time how it's going to be the Jazz's ceiling with Mike Conley that gets raised with him in the starting lineup. If they're going to reach any of their potential, it's going to be with Mike Conley on the floor. And if he does it, then this team can go a long way. Without him, team can be good. But it's not at the level that you go out in the offseason and invest so heavily into this type of offensive firepower. Utah, in the stretch that I identified as going to be pivotal, we all knew that this stretch was going to be big. Two and five. 
You got wins over Indiana, playoff team, win over Dallas, playoff team, and then the losses five straight that we've seen. Revenge games coming up, Portland and Houston, and then before the All-Star break, a playoff team in Miami. And when you look at when Mike Conley has been added to the starters, it's 0-2 from that Portland game. So forecasting forward, seeing where the Conley starting lineup goes has to be your main focus. What's going to happen when Mike Conley's on the floor and these starters are playing these big opponents? Damian Lillard, for example. Just look at today. Let's preview this game. Damian Lillard's going to be starting against Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell in the backcourt. Who's going to match up with Dame on those first couple possessions? Last week when it was in the Motor Center, Royce gets the lion's share of possessions against Dame. And it's tough on Royce. That's a tough matchup. You have to pick Dame up so far up the court. He's logo Lillard. He'll shoot it from anywhere. But if you're playing two up high on him, he's going to drive right past you. If he scores 50, then you're doomed. So containing and corralling him, he's cooled off, and by cooled off, just scoring in the 20s rather than the 50s and the 40s where he was a couple of weeks back. Containing him is item number one, and how it goes down with that starting lineup is huge. Who do you throw out? Is it going to be Mike, who doesn't have the size? Is it going to be Boyan Bogdanovich, who has a tremendous amount of size? Joe Ingles, who may not have the speed or lateral quickness to get through it? Or are you going to go quickly and usher Royce onto the floor to face up that matchup. These are the things that teams are scouting on Utah when it comes to the postseason and what you're going to go and get. Every moment and possession matters, and as Mike gets his way on the floor, others need to come alongside with him. See if the bounce-back effort comes with Utah against Portland tonight. It's also another bounce-back effort for Rudy. Hassan Whiteside had a wonderful effort last time these two teams played. 17 points, 21 rebounds, 3 blocks. That's engaged Hassan, him not thinking about SpongeBob and thinking about the game. If he's that type of way, it's a good battle between him and Rudy. Then followed up with a matchup against Sugar Spice and Russell Westbrook. Russ posted 41 points against the Lakers in a return home. He's not shooting as many threes, which is keeping this team in the game, only attacking the rim. And we get to see the experiment go up against one of the bigger teams in the Western Conference with the Jazz. Offense against offense, who's going to come out on top? We'll have it covered on utahjazz.com and set the table for you on Monday on the next edition of Round Ball Roundup as Utah takes on Dallas in a Texas back-to-back You know the drill. Thank you so much for liking and subscribing. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. Five stars, nice reviews. That's all I ask of you. I'm JP Chunga, and until next time, bye for now.